talk about the button at the end now yeah. it's at the beginning oh uh, man at least we can find the button you need to stop you need to stop now all right uh, i do have a question for you i don't know if it's something that you and i have spoken about ever mm-hmm. before really uh what's your deal with aliens what what's what's your alien deal uh my alien deal is I don't know. I don't ever fucking think about them. But I guess if I really thought about them, do they exist? Probably. Uh, well, I guess then what is your ideal form of alien? The I- Okay. I hate the presented form and like the best, the best uh, science fiction shit that I've ever read had the aliens in a form that was so alien to us that, you know, it, it was hard to understand. So I'm assuming that... Um, we're pretty unique as far as carbon-based life forms. I'm guessing if the universe is infinite, you know, they could have like walking diamonds or something. I don't know. So, like, I I think my favorite idea is like the microscopic uh, aliens that like yeah, it's it's life, but it like it, in the form of like a virus or something mm-hmm. that comes down. So, because like. We always have this grand idea of like waging war with aliens. Well, mm. what if the aliens were so advanced that like they they basically they are just nanotechnology? It's just like, ah, eh, fuck you guys. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think well, you know, and it's like the world within the world within an atom. Right. Are we the atom or are we the world? You know. Yeah, the uh, Donald Sutherland from Animal House. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You mean to tell me that the entire universe could just be? One atom in the tips of our fingernails? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great. Man, Donald Sutherland. Man, mm. what a weird-looking son of a bitch. Yet, how much money that motherfucker made with that face? That guy terrified me when I was a kid. Whenever I would see something with him in it, like on TV when I was a child, because it's his fucking eyeballs. His eyeballs are insane. You see, because the first movie I ever saw, I think, was Kelly's Heroes, and he just played this fucking goofy-ass... Dude, you know, with the fucking, like, aviator hat on, just weird look. I, the guy could never terrify me because I can only remember him as that goofy, doofy-looking motherfucker. Mm-hmm. So every time I see him afterwards, I'm like, oh, you were doofy once. I say, and it's his eyes, and the, I think the way that he speaks, It's because he has a very particular way of speaking, mm-hmm. and it's also insane. It's like a Christopher Walken kind of talk, like... What is your cadence? Like, why are you saying things weird? It's like he, count, he counts the he counts to different parts of pie. That's how long he pauses between each sentence just to fuck you up. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. It's really off-putting. Yeah. Yeah. Take that, Donald Sutherland. <laughs> fuck you and your weird cadence, yeah, Donald you, Sutherland. Yeah. How dare you? Hey, it's been a minute since we railed against random celebrities. <laughs> I, I guess so. Oh man. <laughs> Speaking of random celebrities, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit. Fuck you. Don't you roll your eyes at me. I just wanted to get the goddamn thing underway. <laughs> You've done better, Chris. You've done I'm better. aware, again, I wanted to get the goddamn thing underway. Fair enough. I My day starts very early, and I would like to put the pedal to the metal. Duly chastened, sir. Duly chastened. <laughs> While I'm wasting time currently. <laughs> hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. There you go. My name is Chris Faff, and I... I am one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, and I'm the other one of your hosts. Yeah, we really picked it up there. Well, you got me. Put some, put some mustard that on it. That little false start, that little faint, and then pap. Well, James. Yes. This week, we are talking, as you know, mm-hmm. and nobody else unless they read the uh, episode <laughs> title. Yeah. Uh, we are talking about 1971's Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Mm-hmm. Written by, oh boy, I was trying to figure out how to say this and I have no idea. Uh, written by Lee Kalheim, uh-huh. directed by John D. Hancock. Now, the only thing I know about John D. Hancock, because I looked him up, haven't heard of anything else he's done. Jaws 2. Oh, did he? I, I wasn't. Well, no, I think one of the guys did Jaws 2 after this. Out of, or not after this, but the writing or something, you got to do Jaws 2 because of it. Either way, uh, John D. Hancock, also the uh, director of the holiday classic Prancer. The fuck out of here. Yeah. 
I thought that was very funny because we had watched this this past holiday season. I saw it. I was like, that's stupid. All right. Starring Zora Lampert as Jessica, Barton Heyman as Duncan, Kevin O'Connor as Woody, and Mary Claire Costello as Emily. Mm-hmm. James. Yes. Uh, will you stay? Yes. I'll with stay. me forever. Of course. And and in that duration, mm-hmm. will you tell me how did you like let's scare Jessica to death? This movie was a creeper. It creeped up on me. I, I was like, "Fuck! Why am I watching this piece of shit?" Oh, oh, oh! And then it, I'm, at the end, I'm like, "I'm glad I watched this." Dude, it, it fucking because seriously, I had to restart this movie a bunch of times. You know, I'm like, ah, great, mm, okay, mm, great. Again, it, it snuck up on me and just fucking grabbed me. And I, I this is a rock solid horror film, mm-hmm. and especially for 1971. Like, I think, I mean, I know I do personally. I forget how long ago that is <laughs> and exactly how different the world was. Mm-hmm. But, I, dude, this is a rock-solid horror film, and I would like to start with the performance of Zora Lampert as Jessica. Mm-hmm. Good guy. Dude, all right. So as far as a lot of the uh, your classic uh, female horror uh, protagonists, yeah. I, I mean... You've got, I mean, The Haunting, which this kind of is reflective of. Uh, Rosemary's Baby. Okay. Uh, your uh, your Exorcists. Yeah. This might be one of my favorite female lead performances mm-hmm. in a, at least a horror film of that era, well, of its contemporaries. One of the interesting things about this, and I, I've, I read it afterwards, and I was actually surprised. Traditionally, when you see theater people do film, you can fucking see it immediately. Almost everybody in this film was part of a one theater group. I guess the director had worked with or something, and through the strength of that, got did this movie. And I was amazed that they were th- like actual just prior to that theater actors because again, there's a huge difference. And I'd also the one thing that uh, she did as Jessica that really m- amazed me is in the same scene you went from you pitied her and you were angry with her. And she was both, like, believable she didn't and believable after a second you thought she did just because of the way she said it. And to be able to do that in in that little quick of a span took some some chops, let me tell you. So uh, just for a little uh, synopsis for everybody, I I guess. um, Jessica is a recently... Uh, she was recently institutionalized mm-hmm. for six months. We're never told for what, which I, I like. Yes. Again, it it's that we don't feel the need to over-explain things, and I enjoy that. Well, plus if he explains anything, then anything you have at all. to be very specific. Yeah, and then it opens up a whole bunch of can of worms that don't need to be there. This is a very, very sparse, elegant, uh, elegant thing. It's just, it didn't need anything extra. No, so uh, her husband, Duncan, and their friend, Woody, Mm -hmm. have moved from New York, presumably New York City. Yeah. I think that's what they were talking about. To uh, It was shot in Connecticut, but I don't know if it's supposed to be upstate New York or if it was Connecticut. I forget. Uh, Either way, uh, Duncan has bought a farmhouse mm -hmm. for them. He's cashed in everything, and he's bought this farmhouse. They get there, and there is a 1971's Meg Ryan living inside, mm-hmm. and uh, it turns out that she is the ghost who has <clears throat> lived in the house. Either that, or it, they never say vampire, but... Uh, or do they? They do say vampire, but they're very often out in the sunlight. Right, but you see, what happens is we can... Again, we're allowed to posit our own thing from this reality. You know, if yep. vampires do indeed exist, they're explaining how they can exist without fangs, without sunlight, without garlic, without anything. Yes, they live a long life, but they don't get it from fangs. They get it from cutting and then taking the blood from that, which I thought was a very, very interesting idea. Yeah, that that is actually a very, very good idea. See, I was tuned into that. I thought that she was a ghost because uh, Jessica was seeing her body under the water. 
Mm-hmm. But then again, yeah, they are corporeal. Like she is grabbed and yeah, everything. So yeah, I guess that does make sense. And using the term vampires could just be what the locals were saying. Yeah. Also, it, that doesn't literally mean that they are vampires. Right. Or it's just what some local yokel says in a store. Mm-hmm. But if we think about it, if they get sustenance from blood and have lived that long, how is that not a vampire? It's just not the Eastern European vampire idea. It's a new thing. You know, it's kind of like the folk horror version, yeah. you know? So uh, effectively, the entire film is... Uh, Jessica, not sure if there are actual horrors or if she's getting sick again. Uh-huh. And that's why I say that this has a real strong uh, haunting vibe. Because mm-hmm. I mean, if I've never seen The Haunting. Oh, The Haunting is where uh, the researcher... Oh, I know gets... the story. I just never saw it. No, I know. Right. But it's effectively the story gotcha. of uh, Eleanor. How she has the uh, very long internal monologue. Or not very long, but she's constantly speaking to herself throughout the film and mm-hmm. the book, really. And we get a lot of uh, Jessica's internal monologue anyway, er, anyway, as well. Sorry. Yeah, or internal and external. Exactly. <laughs> and what I think is so fucking fantastic about Zora Lampert's uh, performance is that she has that very uneasy smile. Mm-hmm. And you hear her in her mind saying... Uh, they think that you're getting sick again. They think that you're getting sick again. And her fake smile. Yep. And that's way too big and toothy and yep. is very clearly an act. Mm-hmm. And how, like, you can see that her face kind of breaks until somebody else looks at her and then she gets a big yep. toothy smile again. It's the perfect uh, portrayal of. Don't let anyone know that you have a mental illness. And you know what this really, really, the, what note this really hit for me? You ever watch the Hammer films? Uh, like the Hammer Horrors? Not a whole lot of them, uh, no. So I grew up every Saturday Creature Features, and three quarters of the time it was a Hammer film. You know, obviously really, really edited. I watched them unedited as a grown-up, too. But um, this, the lighting, the way she looked, all that stuff was like a lot of those... Uh, lesbian vampire movies they put out in 73 or 72 so it was I, it was hitting note perfect too yeah and i mean again it's i forget exactly how long ago 1971 is because i mean you look at her and you're like oh she looks like she's straight out of like the early 60s because i mean she's what in this film conservatively like 35 maybe no nah, i was saying mid 30s i'd say maybe in the late 20s. That's a, she's not like 18, 19. No, but we got to understand, people looked older then. No, I, I, I understand. And also, and I hate being this guy, but hot like crazy. Mm-hmm. But, uh... <laughs> I'm saying, you yeah. horrible, horrible human being finding someone attractive, you fucking monster. No, she's just like <laughs> the stereotypical 60s, like... Short hair and very, very nice. And pulling a trailer. Yep. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh. And and just the way that this film is shot, too. Like, uh, when Emily is telling them, when they ask her, like, oh, well, how long have you lived here? And, you know, the ages, I suppose. The way they have her framed in the shot is fucking fantastic. And you don't see it a lot because her face isn't lit. Uh-huh. Her hair is hanging down, causing shadows and everything. Uh, she I'm getting sinis- creeps. Sinister as shit. This movie doesn't start out creepy. And I didn't realize how creepy the movie was until I was three quarters in. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden I went from like, you know, I was like the frog in the water. You know, I was like, mm. and all of a sudden I was boiling and I'm like, fuck. And years and years, or not years and years, but like nine years later, yeah, because The Shining was 80, Kubrick does the same kind of thing in The Shining, mm-hmm. where everything is starts out perfectly fine. Yeah. So fine, it almost seems boring. So that when things do start happening, it is a shock. And that is pretty much perfect pacing in a film. Well, I didn't, I didn't remember, watching this movie, I didn't remember my first rule of horror movies. The slower it is at the beginning, the more fucked up you're going to feel at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Either by something gross and visual or just by how the movie made you feel. And I forgot that, thank goodness, because then I would be in my head, how are they going to fuck me up? 
I just experienced this movie. And, and this is one of the things that I love about doing this. I usually watch movies for comfort. I'll watch something I've seen just so I don't have to think. So I've reacquainted myself with watching movies, you know, to actually engage with the movie, to actually, you know, let it make me feel something, to discover something. And I'm really, really, really been enjoying that. And this movie, again, it, it, was, it was really worth doing this whole thing because I, I love it when a movie actually makes me that uneasy or uncomfortable. And especially a film from 1971 that, you know, like there are very few standouts from. Well, think about this from the date of that movie, 1971. Think about the soundtrack, the score, synthesized. Synthesizer technology was not what it is now. No. They had a Moog and maybe a couple other things that were synthesized. And the score, the susurration with the, 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 the actual talking with the whispering, with the wind howling, with the, they just, the sound design on this thing, I'm, I'm getting goosebumps Dude. actually talking about the sound design on this. It was just ridiculous. Yeah, and that's something that I don't notice a lot. Like, I'm not big on, like, sound design or score, but I absolutely agree with you that there are times when, like... There isn't dialogue for a while, mm-hmm. and just the score makes you so fucking uncomfortable. Because sometimes, sometimes the music is going, nothing's happening, uh-huh. and something big is happening, and there's no music. Mm-hmm. So then you're hearing like the incidental sounds, which are really fucking you up because you've been hearing the music usually when things happen. Now you're hearing like the whir of an engine. You're hearing the the spray. You're hearing something. And again, that's making you uneasy because it's almost like you're conditioned to listen for the music, but now there's not music and fucked up shit's happening. Mm-hmm. There's some great misdirection with that. And the way that they do the scares, because some of them are flat out like red herrings, which mm-hmm. would bother me in any other film, except for they've established that she's already in her head about her own mental illness. I, for example, the... Uh, the uh, sketchings mm-hmm. from the tombstones. Yes. They When she uh, runs back up and is hiding under the blankets in the bedroom, mm-hmm. and she keeps looking at the walls where she has these etchings of the tombstones, those don't matter mm-hmm. whatsoever in the film. But she is getting nervous looking at them, thinking that because she's trying her hardest to figure out, is any of this happening or am I going to need to see a doctor again? Plus, those images are unsettling. I mean... Is enough on the tombstone. I mean, they're beautiful on the tombstone, and they're they're actually gorgeous etchings, right? But in the black and white on the walls, they are menacing, like the paintings in mm-hmm. that one movie. Uh, you know that the paintings on the wall with the people in the bus. It's just unsettling because it everything else has color, everything else, and these stark black and white faces, supposedly angels that look demonic. It's it's it, you know it it starts getting to you because you don't notice, you notice. Until you think about it, you're like, oh, wow, that's creepy as fuck. Uh-huh. And it's, like I said, it's such a culture shock to watch something from this era because, again, I wasn't around in 1971. I don't know if this was a thing, but I did not find it completely unbelievable that three uh, New York City liberal types moved to the country, find a girl just living in the house and go, Hey, you ain't hurting anybody. You can just stay with us. Because mm-hmm. watching it through a 2023 lens, I was like, what the fuck are you doing? Well, that was you, a thing. When, you, when I was a kid, my, my parents would still, like when a little kid, early 70s, you know, my parents would still pick up hitchhikers. You know, it, it was different. And speaking of different, it took me a while. I was trying to figure out, they, at the very, for a bunch of this movie, Jessica was infantilized. It was like, you know, oh, they're going to let the puppy out to do the etchings. Oh, that's cute. Never mm-hmm. treated her as a person, but mostly as a child. Mm-hmm. And even, even after, I, I, it, it, I don't know if they were making a comment towards or that was a reflection of the times because it was sexist as fuck back then. And I don't know if it was reflected in the filmmaking or was an intentional thing. See... You say infantilized, but I took that as 
a husband trying to do something nice for his wife who is in this state and her trying so hard to not look like she has something going on in her head mm-hmm. that she puts on the <laughs> look look and you know frolicking around and doing all of the normal things because they do have actual conversations in this and it's, yeah, but it is more like he was talking down to her, talking at her. Yeah, it, towards the end when he's fallen mm. for Emily, or and yes. after they've made out and what, everything. But I'm saying there's there's just that small window of opportunity, or the small window of conversation. So if we take if we take the amount of times they, they treated her as a person or an equal against all the times they didn't, there's like four minutes of actual you're a human being, and the rest of it. Right, because you're an object of contempt, or you're a child. Yeah, because uh, when they go and visit the uh, antique dealer, who mm, favorite mm. character of the film? Oh hell yeah, love that guy. What a fucking guy! Guy was right on a sale. To walked in. Oh, good pigeons. Let me tell you about this. This was found in an old farmhouse, and it's only been driven three miles, and it's two hundred years old. You know. Oh. Come back here. I got something that you'll really love. It has no idea who these people are. Just the most confident, just salesman, mm-hmm. but not skeezy. Nah. Just this down home. Hey, good to see you. Come on in. Come look at what I've got. You want to see something cool? I got it in the back. Plus, he's also used to selling to all the people from downstate because that's where you go. You go You go to these weird little towns and go buy all their antiques and shit. Right, but uh, what I'm saying is, th- the point I was getting huh. to was when he's telling uh, Emily, or not Emily, uh, Jessica, mm-hmm. because they bring in the picture frame from the attic, and he's explaining to Jessica what happened to the bishops, and Duncan mm-hmm. is, you know, eventually is just like, Sir, we need our money and we need to go. But in the car ride home, they give her agency because she says, like, you didn't have to do that. Because he's trying to be overprotective, and again, it wasn't that gave her agency; she was demanding agency. Right. Yeah. But I mean, that's giving her agency in within the context of the film. I guess. But I mean, it it is. <laughs> she very much has her own will throughout all of this. She does, but they don't treat her as if. Okay. Yeah. Okay. We'll. we'll you know, it it was like all condescending. Right. It was never, instead of, okay, well, I'm concerned, yeah, okay. It was more like, that's nice. I, okay, that's that's great. We'll do that. There's more of that kind of thing. That's fair. But, again, that's just perception. So, I, I, well, I was a little bit confused by the ending of this, though, because I kind of understand that when Jessica's in the attic, she finds the uh, dress and the knife mm-hmm. that... Uh, Emily, or Abigail, was that her original name? Yeah, I think so. Whenever, that she had drowned in before her wedding. Mm-hmm. But I don't understand exactly like what the knife is supposed to be for. It's ritualistic. That's where all the cuts came from, from all the old guys. Remember at the end? Right, but doesn't she bite a few people too? She goes down and bites the blood out after she cuts. Ah, uh, I see. So she feeds after she uses ceremonial knife. Because that's why everybody has those cuts on them. Right. And that's how she feeds. That's how she gets the blood. So that's also, I was wondering, like, what was the impetus for them, like, taking over this town? Because, I mean, if that's the house where she, like, was bound to, Emily, anyway, Mm -hmm. where she was bound to, or at least that area... Why are they just now taking over this town? And that that's something no, that see, I didn't quite understand. That town that, seems like it had been taken over for a long time because you, you'll notice there's only two women in this film. Where are the town's women? None. Right. You see no other female. <clears throat> so. We, but also in the <clears throat> town, we don't see anybody besides the antique dealer who's under 70. Right, but that that intimates that what happened to the women? So maybe they've been feeding off the wives of the town for a long time, and now they're out because they only killed the women apparently, because that's where that body ended up in the case at the end. The women, the women died. The victims are women. The men are fed on, and they continue to feed as her thralls. Oh, the women are all gone, except for the one young girl who 
lives in the forest, yeah. which would explain why she can't speak if she's feral and living in the forest to avoid these vampires. Yes. Damn, there's a lot that I didn't put together in this film. God damn. I actually, this movie grabbed me so much that I went back and really put on my little micro focus when I get it. I'm like, ooh, what about this, 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 and this? And my brain just, and plus I was in my head all day because I didn't have a, I had to work all morning and I did not have my headphones. Oh boy. So I was in my motherfucking head all day. Yeah, whole lot of time to think about uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. Also, that title is very misleading. Oh, but I love it because it's like a little Zets. But maybe not, though, because our, is, is Emily trying to get her to live there with her forever and be like a new sister? Because she's the only one of the bishops that we see. Right. Correct? Yeah. Okay. So then, ultimately, then, what is her goal? Because, or is she just trying to lure Jessica in? Or? I think she's trying to lure Jessica in because, again, in, in, in my head canon, there are no women, Jessica's a woman. So they'll keep her and feed off her as long as they can, then kill her. They'll let, okay, we can't do anything else. Boom, she's gone. Let's get a new one. You know, and then that's how I, that, that's how I envision it happening. That's why it's been able to continue Although my favorite my favorite character in this whole movie, the old guy in the VFW jacket. <laughs> For some reason, that guy was just like fuck. Anytime he was on there, I'm like, yeah. Is, it looks like the guy who voiced Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> and and I'm just like, what? Have you ever seen a picture of the guy who voiced no. Winnie? The Pooh? He's just this skinny old guy with this crazy hair that just sticks straight up like that. And I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, it's Winnie the fucking Pooh, and he's a killer. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. That's why I loved it. And plus, there's nothing scarier to me than than like tough old men, like old old men that are still walking around no canes and just fucking hard with the big jaws from clenching for 30 years or working in a co- Those motherfucking people scare me cuz they spent I only spent 8 hours in my head today. These motherfuckers have spent their entire lives in their heads in those little towns. And I've been in a lot of those little towns and when they're nice, hey, I want to hear them because they're going to tell me stories, grandpa stories and shit. But when they turn, they will chill you to fucking death. They just, all of a sudden, the smile comes out of there. And old men scare me more than just about anything else. Yeah, because, I mean, you say that they've spent their entire lives living in their head in these small towns. And also, very possibly, a year in trenches in France. Oh, you know every one of those fuckers. And this wasn't... I'm not saying easy wars, but this is where they did not have the technology and you, you, you marched 20 miles in 10 below and you bit off your finger and I hope you could still have enough to shoot the enemy. And those are the guys in the fucking there. Mm, no, mm, scary. Yeah. Cause think about it this way for the last 20 years, we've been engaged. We've had men overseas. Imagine when all these guys are old and all of them are trained. Mm-hmm. I don't want to work in a nursing home. <laughs> when those guys get older. No. And, and to to that end as well, I guess if we're going to get into that, uh, a, a lot of the uh, right-wing uh, coalitions, I mm-hmm. should say, have a lot of ex-military uh, oh, yeah. leaders. This is kind of scary. Yeah. But, I mean, we didn't really have to worry about a whole lot of World War II vets in that vein. They no. would just beat the shit out of you. <laughs> no, they they would. <laughs> They would they would lump you up with a couple wrenches. Uh-huh. Yeah. So, <sighs> Dunk or not Duncan, uh, uh, Woody. Oh, Woody. <laughs> Woody might be one of my also my just favorite characters. Oh no. Because he's just the dude who's there. Oh yeah. He immediately tries to fuck Emily. <laughs> I think that guy would immediately try to fuck anything. Man, the, the, there were no animals on that farm. The sideburns and mustache on this gentleman. Hey, that James. looks coming back, dude. Mm. Not like that. It's not not, not He went full Elliot Gould on that motherfucker. Oh Jesus Christ! He went full Elliot Gould. He went full Serpico in that bitch right there. But he immediately is trying to fuck Emily, and she's like, "No, I don't know you. Like, you just found me squatting in this house." Mm-hmm. And then they go for a walk, and he tries to fuck her more. Mm-hmm. And then he's trying to bone Jessica. Yep. 
And I bet you're trying to bone old boy when nobody's looking to. And then, toward the end of the film, he's not really in a whole lot of it. He's just out driving the fucking tractor around. How many times you gotta put pesticide on a goddamn orchard? Uh-huh. Like once a month, motherfucker, you're gonna you're gonna kill everything here, everything within 300 miles. In fact, it's just gonna be like a big radius black circle after you're done with it, mother. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus Christ, you're just like wearing a gas mask, getting high and, and huffing chemicals while you're doing it, don't you? It, that was actually like one of the scenes that not like disturbed me the most, but just like Jessica, what are you doing when she was running after the tractor? Oh my god, right through sta- that DDT, just standing in it, just a torrent of poison and shooting, running her in the directly face. by it, not trying to get up front or behind, just standing right there, running parallel right next to, with yeah. it. Yes, I'm like Jesus Christ. I thought the same thing. I'm like, um, if if, if if Emily don't kill you, you just toughed enough DDT to fucking kill yourself, your mom, and three of your next kids. Uh-huh. You're, you're not making that, it across the lake. That bloodline is done for. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. You're not going to make it across the lake in that rowboat, girl. You're going to just pass the fuck out. No, that, it's one of those things also that I wanted to talk about, and you alluded to it earlier, if I can switch gears for a moment. Oh, switch gears all you want. <clears throat> the, uh, the scares in this. Mm-hmm. I this is one of the things that I really appreciate about like about up to about 1980 in horror films is because there wasn't a whole lot of like sure there was Halloween and the beginnings of your uh, Friday the 13th and what have yous but there wasn't a lot of gore in horror films oh they had to rely on what they had and to put together like a, a presumably low budget film like this, and like you said, with the sound design, the performances, making absolutely nothing chilling. Well, you know what I liked about this movie too, if you think about it, this movie was shot like it wasn't not a B movie. This was shot like I'm trying to move this as an A picture. I'm trying to move this as its thing, as opposed to a B. Mm-hmm. And everything smells like a B until you watch it. And then you're like, okay, this was supposed to be an A picture. Mm-hmm. And, and I like that about it. But um, to, to roll back just a tiny bit, I will counter with there was a lot of gore in American cinema between 1968 and 1975 right, because but- of the whole grindhouse stuff. You had I Spit on Your Grave. You had, uh, you know, uh, God, you had all like, like Who Killed Auntie Rue? Fucking, Ro- not Rosemary's Baby. What was the one with uh, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis? Ro- nah, God damn it. Whatever happened to Baby Jane with those long-ass titles just like this one? They were all horrible, like eating the rat. There were just these gory, gory parts in each of these movies. There was like usually gore or tits. This right. one didn't, didn't lean in hard into either one. There was wounds and there was some gore, but it, it didn't lean heavily into it and it creeped me out more because of it. That's exactly what I was trying to say, is the scares in this are completely psychological, not completely, but until toward the end when, like, murder murders start happening. Mm-hmm. And you see the actual wounds as opposed to, did this guy hurt? What's going on? No. Yeah, because, yeah, Jessica inquires, like, why is everybody in town wearing all these bandages? Like, mm-hmm. what the fuck happened here? Who are these people? Mm-hmm. And, like I said, the... Uh, with the backdrop of her not being sure if she's having some sort of episode, mm-hmm. and all of the scares in this, if you, and it's one of those that you have to actually watch. I think a lot of the films of this era are are like that, and I don't think modern audiences really have the patience well, for I, films like that. But this movie creeps in on you so subtly that it's. It's a terrifying film. I don't know if it worked this way for you, but because of the title of the film, I'm, I'm doing a Hitchcock gaslight. I'm doing a, oh, fuck. How are they setting this up? Did they hire Emily? Which one is going to fuck with her? I said, all of them. Is there money involved? What's going on? And because my brain was doing that, these little subtle things that were happening in the background were happening, they were clocking in the back of my head because I'm trying, and, and I think that was like a little addition with the title, which I think made it even better. I think it, it just added that little bit of cleverness to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, this is such a fucking good movie. <laughs> Again, we, you know, it's been a minute since we watched something that was 
um, subtle, elegant, and organic. You know, we don't get a lot of these because, you know, there's usually like a lot going on and you're piecing big things together. This just leaves little things, just tiny little, little set pieces, little things. And it makes me feel smart that I put them together, you know? And I love that in movies. It made me feel like, ooh, I did something. Right. And one of the other things that I think is very smart that they did is pretty much Jessica is in either in almost every scene. And if she is not, she's the focus of conversation. Yeah. So it never really gives you a break from what's going on with her. Mm -hmm. And with all of the things with uh, obviously her husband and Emily, she's still hearing voices, but it's Emily doing the, uh, I guess we'll just call it the vampire uh, Jedi mind trick mm -hmm. on her constantly hearing these whispers, seeing this feral girl in the forest and never being sure if any of this is real, which makes us unsure mm -hmm. if any of it is real. I'm glad that they didn't at the very end, pull back and do the uh, Jessica, like you killed your husband. Why did you do that? But at this point it would have been novel. Exactly. But I, again, they showed restraint. Yeah. All, they, all of this was happening. She wasn't going mad. Mm -hmm. But we got to talk about one thing that we've glossed over this whole time. That fucking base case. That gigantic, huge, gothic base case. Uh-huh. I've been around musicians my entire life. I have been to stores where they you've got stuff from 200 years ago. I have never in my life seen anything like that. That was oh my I could not think about that goddamn case. It bugged the fuck out of me. I see I have no real frame of reference because I'm not uh like super familiar with base cases. It's about four times as big as it needs to be. And it's got big bumps and nodules and things. I'm like what are the fucking speakers in there? Maybe. No. James he used to play for the Philharmonic. I don't care who he played for. He could fit four bases in that goddamn thing. The nondescript, no, uh, no location, just the Philharmonic. Mm-hmm. So we get, we, we get to fill that in. He doesn't look like he played bass for anybody, except for maybe Foghat. Was Foghat around in 71? I don't know. I don't either. How old is Foghat? I, old as fuck. If anybody knows, they, no, because I, I get they had to be around then because they were they were pulling the state fair circuit in like '78, so they must have had their cup of coffee early '70s. Hmm. So <laughs> you're sitting here thinking about fog hat. I am thinking fog. about fog hat. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to remember and UFO and hey, I actually don't mind UFO. I like UFO. I'm not talking shit about it. I I I appreciate some rock country frat occasionally. I uh. I was honestly trying to think of a fog hat song, and I couldn't do it. No, because every time I think of fog hat, I think of riding I, a storm out, which is Ario's speed wagon when they didn't suck. I was thinking smoking, and then I was like, "Wait, that might be that's Boston." Boston. <laughs> that was Boston when they were good. Again, man, I can't name a fog hat song. Wait, slow ride, slow ride's fog hat, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. Got it. Yeah, but I was thinking of another one. God I damn. win fog hat trivia. God damn it. I should win Foggy at Trivia. Trivia? Trivia. Yeah, that too. Man, maybe we should We should have just taken a nap before this. We got couches out here. We should have just, uh, like, a quick 30-minute siesta. Yeah, nice little disco clear, nap. Clear, just boom. Clear the brains. Because, <laughs> man, it's foggy in here because I've been chain-smoking because I am just Dude, wired on caffeine. Half a pack of fucking cigarettes while we were sitting here. I smoked 10 cigarettes. The fuck is wrong with me? I, I don't know. I smoked 10 cigarettes in three days. I sat here and smoked 10 cigarettes end to end. So here's something that I wanted to ask you about, because you are slightly more uh, uh, knowledgeable than me in this area. Um, when I was talking about uh, Jessica's almost uh, fake sincerity for everything and trying to seem happy and pleasant, I, I got to thinking like, it, because she's distraught when Duncan says, like, maybe you should go back to New York and mm -hmm. go see your doctor. 
what she may have been enduring in a mental health facility as a woman in 1970. Did you see One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest? I sure did. Uh Uh-huh. But the women have always been treated much worse than men Mm -hmm. in uh, the medical field here in the greatest country on earth. Well, I will tell you, it it was absolutely, because I wasn't even thinking about it. I'm like, fuck no. You do not want to be in a 70s psychiatric unit. No. Especially in New York. I don't care. They they didn't have money money. No. Okay, so they would not be going to a great place. They would probably have to go to a county. And have you ever been to a county psychiatric facility? It's like going to the VA psychiatric facility. It's scary. Yeah, because, I mean, the... I mean, obviously, we've talked about the entire thing revolves around she was just institutionalized mm-hmm. and a nondescript mental health problem. But just the ab- abject terror when he tells her that and she starts crying immediately. And it really painted the rest of the film for me as to why she was probably <coughs> acting, I don't want to say childlike, but maybe even just so appreciative. Like manic? Yeah, appreciative of everything because they just only say that she just got out a few days ago, mm-hmm. and they take her up to effectively the countryside. Yep. And yeah, like you said, it, it is a little objectifying that they kind of run her around like a dog. But is she being so complicit in everything because she is so afraid of going back to these facilities? Well, now there, there's there's a great point to be made for masking because, you know, I do it every goddamn oh, day. That's what I'm saying with so, her overly, like, toothy it, grins and smiles in kind of inappropriate places. And, and yes, and, and again, I will I will grant you that. I, I, I'm sure she is doing a lot of that. But again, the, the, the times when they speak to her as a human is very very small and again i don't know if it's a sign of the times or it was a, a statement by the filmmaker or what but it stuck out to me a lot the whole movie i'm like oh oh mm. but again i'm real sensitive to that shit so right and i mean i i i don't feel like they ever like were degrading towards her i mean oh maybe, i didn't say degrading but uh, condescending as a duncan, motherfucker maybe duncan a little bit because I mean, well, Duncan's a douchebag. Yeah, isn't he pretty much like when he tries to get up during the night mm-hmm. because he's like, uh, I, th- I think we should just sleep in separate. Or no, she gets up and says, I think we should sleep in separate rooms. Uh-huh. He had just been making out with Emily like the night before. And he's like, No, I'll, I'll go, I'll go. Mm-hmm. You, you stay here. And I'll- what's with that weird scene in there when they were all bathing and scrubbing each other? What's up with that shit? <laughs> I was wondering that. Do they not have running water in this fucking farmhouse? Uh-huh. Because like. I, I don't think they have anything because they make it a point to say, like, we have to find any shit that might be left in this house to sell or we don't eat. Yeah, and that fucking tractor, dude, looked like it was out of Willy Wonka, man. I've <laughs> never seen I've never seen a tractor. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah, that was a very strange, like, it, it looked old, but comically new at the same time. It looked like, honestly, it looked like... Um, it was built in South America independently from any other thing. And it was somebody bought it at an auction and there it was because it doesn't look like anything you've ever seen a tractor look like. John Deere, but with no E at the end. <laughs> yeah. Juan Deere. It's, it's, it's Jose Reed. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah, but I, it, it, I was looking at that thing, and I was just so fascinated. And all I could think of when the machine that was making the everlasting gobstoppers. <laughs> yep, that's what it, that, that thing looked like the, to me. The one that looks like a dick and balls. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and two, two feet coming out, and they're birthing out gobstoppers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That looks like part of the machine. Uh, ah, yes. So, I honestly, I don't have a whole lot more to say about this film. Oh, I do. Okay. I do. What have you got, James? This is the last time you ever saw a bald leading man. Oh, dude, that, oh, I could go on That forever. fucking comb over, dude. I could go on forever about how much I love the 70s and early 80s films for, mm-hmm. for this reason. Because now a guy who looked like that can only do character parts. Oh, Tom Atkins. Oh, yeah. The man who in his 50s, it seemed like in every film, like his stipulation was like, no, I get to still bang a teenage girl, right? 
Yeah. I'm still just an incredible sex symbol. Mm -hmm. And he just looks like a dude. Yeah, yeah. I love it. But again, I miss miss the days when you could just cast somebody based on talent. Mm Mm-hmm. And people paid to see it. God, I love that. I think uh, uh, currently Jesse Plemons is kind of filling that role. I can't. I don't have no. I, I don't have any idea what that is. Um, you've seen Battleship a bunch of times, right? No, <laughs> I've gotten. I've watched it once in twenty minute bursts. Uh, do you remember the dude who is always hanging out with Rihanna in Battleship? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's Jesse Plemons. Oh, okay. He's actually like a really fantastic actor, though. He's kind of filling that role currently, mm-hmm. and like the uh, like Philip Seymour Hoffman, just kind of a schlubby dude. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> no, but oh, dude, I could go on for ages about how much I love older movies for that reason. It's just mm-hmm. like, no, you don't need to have Ryan Gosling. Like, yeah, Ryan Gosling's talented and he's nice to look at, but you know who else is a good actor? <laughs> this this dude. Yeah, who just looks like a dude. He's been he's been uh, working he's been working out of theater for fifteen years. This motherfucker acts circles around you. Or like, uh, I it always reminds me of uh, the bald guy. Who plays uh, Alex's dad in Clockwork Orange? Oh yeah, he's the rest a uh, restroom attendant in The Shining as well. Uh huh. Yeah, that guy. Whenever I see him pop up, like, ah, good on you, man. Or good who, on you for having a career and just being like an old bald British guy. Oh, but who's that old guy that was on? You you watch Breaking Bad, right? Uh, I kind of. There was this one guy where he's sitting in the, the wheelchair, and Giancarlo Esposito comes in, and he blows his fucking head off with a bomb. Oh, oh. oh, if you see that guy, that guy is one of those guys, too. Or in the comedic part, um, Tobolowski, the guy, um, Ned Ryerson in Groundhog Day. The guy who's selling insurance in Groundhog Day. <laughs> Man, I didn't w- wake up this morning thinking that I would have to be talking about Groundhog Day. <laughs> I know, again. Oh, no. Ah! Man. Well, my favorite version of Groundhog Day, though, still is uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Oh, yeah. The Tom Cruise movie. Because, I mean, you know my affinity for Tom Cruise to begin with. But mm-hmm. then to see him, like, whooping the shit out of aliens in a Groundhog Day kind of sitch with Bill Paxton yelling at him at the beginning of every sequence of days. Do you have any idea how many times I've seen that movie? I don't even like Tom Cruise, but I'll watch the fuck out of Dude, that movie. Dude, it's one of my favorites. Whenever I see it's on something, like, mm-hmm. I had to apologize the other night because I was like, I know you don't like Tom Cruise, honey, but... uh. I'm going to watch this movie a whole bunch because I really like it. All I got to do is say, hey, you want to watch um, Live, Die, Repeat? And the wife's like, yep. Sure do. <laughs> Click. I got her to watch Roadhouse again. Oh, you son of a bitch. I got oh, a, you dirty son of a bitch. I married this one. Why the fuck do you think I married this one? Uh, can I also marry your wife? I suppose you have to ask her, though. <laughs> can, can we swap and you two can do whatever the hell it is your ADHD brains do and then me and Toby can just watch Roadhouse? That would be fun. It'd be, it'd be like hobby swap. Yeah. No, no. me and James's wife are just going to hang out and watch Swayze movies. You two <laughs> go do whatever the hell it is that you do. Oh, they're, they're, your house would look 150% different when you came back, dude. What do you mean came back? I'm watching this in the comfort of my own home. <laughs> Toby can come here. I'm not leaving. Fair enough. My house will look ridiculous. <laughs> I have like goblin I, pictures and man, shit up. I get real grumpy about leaving now. I, I can tell that I'm starting to age because anytime it's like, oh, I should go do this. Even if it's something that I want, like, nah. Well, see, the cool thing is like having done this podcast as often as I have now, this, this area is like an extension of my house. Like I leave here, I drive to my house. So it's just like I... You, you know what I mean? It's just like the next room. I just got to go 15 minutes still. Yeah, this is the cool house. Well, yeah, but my... Uh, do cool guy stuff. This week, I'm getting... The, I've, I've got everything ready to get off my patio because I'm getting the dumpster in two weeks. And I'm having my patio back. We should do one of these casts off my patio. We should do one of these on the patio. Be badass. Have owls in the back now. Woohoo! James, yeah. Would you- Woodpeckers and shit. Would would you recommend to anybody that they watch "Let's Scare Jessica to Death"? Yes, and they. I I would. I actually. I want anybody who. I want everybody I know to watch this, but I want you to have me watch it with you, so you can motherfucker me three quarters of the way through and then thank me for watching this goddamn movie because it's good. Man, I I uh, 
I would absolutely recommend that people watch uh, Let's Scare Jessica to Death. I would absolutely not recommend that they watch it with you because I've watched movies with you. <laughs> and it is the most unbearable thing that I've ever been through. Why do you think I don't go to the movie theater unless I'm in certain neighborhoods? Why do you think I don't invite you to the movie theater? Well, mainly because I don't go anymore because I don't have time. But, but I will tell you that the few occasions where I have agreed to go with my friends to the movie theater, I shut the fuck up. Oh, well, that would be a first. James, mm-hmm. where can people find us? They can find us on horrorvomitpodcast at gmail.com. They can find us on the Facebook. They can also find... Our, we actually have our own site on the Facebook, and then we have the... Oh, the podcast on the... Hold on. On all the pod servers... What in the hell are you? I don't Did know. you just malfunction in the beginning or in the middle of that? Just right at the end. I was trying to say, hey, go check out our podcast. Yeah, we have the- a Facebook group. You can also check out our Instagram page. That's what I was trying to say. I uh, fucking jumped right if, over. If uh, you wanted to head to Apple Podcasts, give us a five star review. I was and- all confident. I said that first part like a motherfucker, man. And a five uh, five word written review. Magic number. Uh, gets us a little higher up on the algorithm, gets people listening. Mm-hmm. We can start doing cool stuff. Yes, yes, yes. I'm not doing it for you, Jagoffs. Not doing it for me, but hey, more stuff would be better. Yeah, we're not jagging off for you, Jagoffs. Well, we I could don't. for the right price. Hey, you know what's really I, nice, James? Hmm. I don't feel like I'm going to piss my brains out. I was wondering. I was dragging this out a little bit, waiting for you to do the dance. No, and you know what I think the difference is? We have not had any beverages this entire time. Oh, I've drank an entire glass of water. Holy shit. It's not cold. For some reason, oh, I'm yeah. the cold is really affecting us when we're out here. Last week, it was cold. It was cold last week. And, and this week? It is fucking warm. Yeah, I mean, we went from sitting here in jackets and uh, layers. I, yeah, because you and a offered, blanket because you offered me a whiff of under your snow pants, which mm-hmm. I politely declined. I've, I put it in a jar for you. You can have it anytime you want. Well, I'm glad that I can have your musk with me wherever we go. You know, if you're if you're lonely or if, you know when we're days apart and you miss miss my company, you can just open up and take a good whiff. Hey, James. Yes. Hey, say goodbye. No. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you defy me. Good.